0: Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically... Helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the
1: top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You, you have an iPad, you got a paper-like... And I'm sure it's, it feels just
0: right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil, to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic.
1: The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paperlike products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So to pick up your paper like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click buy paperlike and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com ajax to get started. Klytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today?
0: ajax to bring back his body hello everybody and welcome to war rocket ajax this is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast and we are your hosts my name is chris sims with me as always matt wilson matt how are you chris i'm i'm doing all right how are you I'm feeling free in
1: 2023, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Love to hear it.
0: I'm trying to say anything other than I'm cold.
1: Right, because it is late January. It is It is chilly. We're going to warm up on the show this week by cozying up to some groonies.
0: Are we ever going to warm up? It's getting hot in the groonies. We're going to go to the Savage Land,
1: and this Savage Land story is weirdly horny, and we're going to talk about it. The vibe has changed on the Groonies. The vibe
0: is off. The vibe is off in these Groonies in virtually every way that it can be off.
1: I have a theory about that, but we'll get to it when we get to it. Chris, before we get to the Groonies, we do have some business to take care of here at the top of the show. And uh, the first bit of business, as usual, is thanking our newest supporters over on Patreon.
0: That's right, Matt. Now these are the people who, they've gone down, they've taken a little drive, they've taken the bus, they've taken public transit, they've taken the bike lane down to old uh, uh, 621 Mm -hmm. Gimmick Street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 621 Gimmick Street. That's the address I had in mind in this bit that is planned out meticulously each and every week. And Matt, of course, you know what's down at 621 Gimmick Street. Well, it's right next door to Rey Mysterio's house. It's Buyaka Buyaka. It's right next to Rey Mysterio's house. Yeah. It's Kevin Nash's house. It's Kevin Nash's house. (laughs) (laughs) And if you think these two neighbors aren't going to get into some wacky hijinks... Someone's getting thrown
1: into a trailer every
0: weekend. (laughs) Like a lawn dart. That's right. One of, the one of honestly, the best pieces of footage that the, the art of professional wrestling has ever produced. Agreed. I think, I think you and I can agree on that yeah. one. Yeah. If you go there, like, look, just be respectful. Just, you know, uh, if you see uh, Big Sexy, Big Daddy Cool uh, out there mowing his lawn or, or working on his car or whatever people do outside their houses, just say, hey, I loved you in Magic Mike XXL. And if he says, "But not Magic Mike One," you can tell him not as good. <laughs> <laughs> How about as the
1: Russian in The Punisher, starring Thomas it Jane?
0: Was, I said a real thing, and you're you're making a you're making a jest of me. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! After they check in with Big Kev, mm-hmm. with with uh-uh, Diesel. That's right. Uh, what they can do is uh get out their phones, get out their mobile devices, get out their uh laptop or desktop computers don't set up your desktop computer in kevin nash's driveway like show a little bit of respect uh he was he was a multi time world champion and he's in John Wick true in a great bit part it's like it's like big Dave Batista mm-hmm. number one yeah then kevin Nash legit. Wild. It's wild. Then, like then the rock is like way down the list.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like Kevin Nash has some hits to his name. Anyway, point being, Patreon.com slash walking Ajax. That's where you go with one of those devices. When you're there, you can kick in as little as a dollar a month. If you if you're like, I gotta tune in each and every week as gimmick street as the gimmick verse expands linearly. On the alternating sides of the street. I gotta support these guys. That's where you can do it. You can chip in as little as a dollar a month. That keeps uh, the show going. Helps us do all of our different projects. All of the different Clytus Media family podcasts. And, most importantly, it helps me and Matt pay those gimmicks they keep sending in the mail called bills.
1: That's right, Chris. And here are our newest Patreon supporters. K.M. Smith. Thank you, K.M. Jeff Pop. Thank you, Jeff. Isaac. Ah, thank you, Isaac. From Biden. And I was gonna say the bartender from the Love Boat. Either one equally valid.
0: Well, if it's like if there's no last name, I think those are the two options.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Aaron Bulger. Thank you, Aaron. If you would like to be like any of those fine folks and help us out here on the show, keep this weekly show going. Keep Snack Situation and Movie Fighters coming out. We just sacrificed ourselves for Snack Situation (laughs) last week. It was bad. Uh, If you want to keep every Story Ever specials going every month, and if you want to keep us doing Comics Catch-Up, all of those shows are supported by your support on Patreon. And as a patron, you get every single one of those shows completely ad-free. No ads. You get a special feed with the episodes, no ads in them. You can also get other cool stuff as a patron. You can get bonus audio. Uh, I put up some outtakes from our last episode, some things I had to cut for time. You can go check those things out on Patreon. Also, sometimes we record special bonus content that's only for patrons, Uh, like fresh, brand new bonus content. There's bonus writing. Over there, Chris writes a series of video game reviews that have been going up on the Patreon for quite a while now. And uh, I've done some writing there too. Not a ton, but some. And uh, you can only get that stuff on Patreon. That's the only place you can get those things. You can also get line-stepping privileges for our various segments. Every Story Ever, which is perennial. Always doing that one. And now, Thursday Night Raw, which has generated a lot of buzz, Chris. Single, we're not taking lists of Thursday Night Raw. Just send in one at a time, and we'll decide how raw the moment you send in is. Let me also say, while we're on the topic of Thursday Night Raw, try to differentiate your Thursday Night Raw entries from Word Heavyweight Champion entries. These should not be lines. These should be moments.
0: That's true. Miss is pretty fucking raw, though. Yeah, yeah. They can coincide. There there are going to be some overlap, because a lot of people say some cool shit in comic books.
1: Yes, but we're not looking for a line. We're looking for a moment. So just keep that in mind, and only send in one at a time. uh, Because this segment could get absolutely unwieldy (laughs) if we're doing too many of these at once. But you could get line-stepping privileges for that by helping us out on Patreon. There's physical rewards over there. There's tons of cool stuff over on the Patreon. So if any of that sounds like you'd be interested, head over to Patreon.com slash Warrocket Ajax. And as Chris said, kick in as little as a dollar a month. You can help us out in other ways too. If you can't help us out monetarily, you could go on the podcasting app that you use, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That would help us out a bunch. Spotify has podcast reviews now. You can also just Spread the word about the show. Tell your friends that they should listen to War Rocket Ajax, because the boys are about to figure out what's raw. No cooked things here. No no cooking. Do you smell what raw is cooking? No, you don't, because it's raw. <laughs> Chris, now that we've gotten that out of the way and thanked our Patreon supporters, uh-huh. Let's do some checks and recs. What do you say? Let's do it.
0: Chicago!
1: Chris, what's been going on? What are you checking in with? <sighs> oh Matt. boy, the big sigh.
0: <laughs> Matt, buddy. Buddy, I tried it. Okay. I tried it. I thought this would this would be the one. Like, if any of them were going to do it, I thought this would be the one.
1: Are you talking about Elden Ring?
0: I'm talking about Elden Ring, man. Which I did get on sale, but still. Like, I, I... You know, it was a a fully priced video game. Yeah. And I was like, man, th- th- this is the one everybody says is like Breath of the Wild, the best open world video game ever made and probably like top three video games ever made. It's getting compared to that. And I know Matt likes these these hard games that these where's FromSoft from? Are they Swedes? <laughs> They're Japanese. Really? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> for some reason, for some like I know they're Japanese, but for some reason in my head they're European. And I don't know why.
1: Well, it is like a European fantasy setting. Every one of their games is in a European fantasy setting. I guess maybe for, I'm
0: confusing them with with CD Projekt Red.
1: I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except for the Armored Core series. Every FromSoft game is like a European fantasy kind of deal, because that's what Hidetaka Miyazaki is into.
0: Yeah, that's not a Swedish name, and that's on me. You know, but but if your name is Miyazaki, you can live in Sweden. Don't let me don't don't let my narrow worldview stop you. Anyway, <laughs> I know you like those games, Matt, and, and you're always telling me you're like I, how many times I've seen those games compared to metroidvania yeah which you know i'm passionate about
1: elden ring is the exception all the other games have those great moments where you see how areas of the game connect and you go oh and yeah that's like my favorite thing in video games
0: yeah and like i'm 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 down with that and i like i was i thought hey maybe if if this one has that that Breath of the Wild vibe to it. Maybe that'll get me in. And then me and my good friend Matt, we can have this thing in common and bond and become closer friends. And then I can really start to turn my life around. (laughs) (laughs) But in the immortal words of of post-stunning, pre-Stone Cold Steve Austin, but none of that shit ever happened. I tried it, Matt. And Uh once again... I didn't, like, it's not like Bloodborne, where that, to me, was a video game that was about a very mean street. They could have called that game Mean Street. <laughs> <laughs> because that's all I saw of it, was that one street with a bunch of mean people Yeah, on it, who were mean for no reason. Well, there there was a reason, you just, you didn't get to it. I mean, they. I did not do anything... That warranted their response. No, they I'll were, were, were
1: beast-mad
0: uh, from Tainted Blood, but continue. <laughs> look, okay, look, I understand. I sometimes get a little beast-mad off Tainted Blood myself. Yeah. Like, I went and I, like, you know, walked through and I bought a, a crafting kit from a guy and had a couple swords. And I was like, alright. And then it's just like, I killed some guys. But those there were so many more of those guys than (laughs) than there were of me. Yeah. And that is like I know that like if there's more guys on one side, all other things being equal, that side's gonna win, right? It's the damn numbers game. We know all about it. This is the first bunch of guys I come up against. You gotta give me something. Give me some cobalts. The good thing about Elden Ring is you can run away from those guys.
1: You don't have to fight yeah. those
0: guys. And like, I thought about it, but then it's like, well, if if I want to play a game about running away from stuff, I'll play Sonic the Hedgehog, man. And don't tell me he runs towards things, because it's, it's all relative. I think if you stick with it, you will grow to
1: like it. And once you start getting magic and shit, you should definitely play as a magic user in that game.
0: Matt... What have you been up to while I have been failing yet again to play a FromSoft game? Well,
1: Chris, it's been quite a week for me and for my wife, Marlene. I watched Marlene do stand-up comedy at a wrestling show.
0: I heard about this. I wish I could have gone. It sounded amazing. And it was everything in my life at one thing. (laughs) I should have been there.
1: Yeah. Elle Collins, mutual friend of ours friend of the show, drove over uh, from Tennessee to come to a wrestling show that was at a local brewery, Highwire Brewing, from the wrestling promotion Urban Combat Wrestling. And uh, the way I described it to Elle is Urban Combat Wrestling is kind of like entirely built around young, good-looking black baby faces and big, mean, white heels. Okay. And uh, that's great storytelling. Every It makes every match great. Um, yes. But also over the last year or so, it's gotten much gayer. So there are several characters who wear like fishnets and stuff. Um, and it's just a really fun show. If you're ever in the area that I live in, the region, and there's an urban combat wrestling show, you should absolutely go to it. But they've partnered with the Stand up comedy promoter that Marlene works with a lot. And they did a show that was like a combined stand up and pro wrestling show. And the first comic on the show was a former pro wrestler who really was able to connect with the crowd by virtue of like having been a pro wrestler. And he even like took a bump at the end of his set. Wow. Yeah. Uh, It was, it was pretty fantastic. And then there were a few matches, and then another comic went up in the middle of the show, and he was not bad by any stretch, but the crowd was kind of, like, not into him. They were, like, really amped up on the wrestling, and they were kind of, like, not mean to him, but not necessarily paying attention. And so through the next few matches, I was super nervous for Marlene, because I was like, this crowd's not going to give her a chance. But then... She came up after the semi-main. like oh, She was goodness. right before the main event.
0: Marlene was the cool-down?
1: Marlene was the cool-down after the semi-main. Oh, boy. And Second thing she said, she had him. Because she and I had talked about a joke uh that she could tell about wrestling at the top. And she she said, my husband's here. He's a big wrestling fan. He got me into wrestling. And... If you need to know anything about WCW Monday Nitro from 1997, there's your guy. And the crowd loved that, and then she started naming off wrestlers that she's a fan of, and it was, it was off to the races after that. And then she got cut off by a heel. She didn't take a bump, but like a heel came out and was like, get out of this ring. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> and then the main event started, which had AEW's J.D. Drake from Shelby north carolina ooh, very fun show great time marlene did an amazing job as i said on instagram i could not have been prouder and uh and it was great then earlier tonight we started recording a little later than typical because i went to a storytelling show where i told a story uh the theme of the show was brothers and i told a story about the time when i was five when I had a boxing match with my older brother uh, on the trampoline, we did that a lot and he would always beat me because he was eight years older than me. Yeah. And,
0: uh, eight years.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is eight and a half years older than me. That's not very fair, Matt. That was the point, Chris. But this one time when I was five, I had been, I actually trained in boxing. <laughs> like okay. I would hit a balloon in my bedroom that was I used as a fast bag. And like, I got to where I could kind of like throw punches. And during this one boxing match on the trampoline, I like planted my feet, cocked my right arm and uppercutted him right in the chin and knocked his glasses off. And it was the most triumphant moment of my life. And uh, so I told this story, a longer version at the storytelling show and it went great. I feel so good about it. It was amazing. Maybe I'll tell the full version of the story sometime uh, recorded, but uh, I feel so good about it. My printer did die in the process of trying to print that story out (laughs) for the storytelling show. So I had to go on our discord and ask for printer recommendations, which people gave me and I appreciate it. I took one of the recommendations and uh, hopefully my new printer will be here in the next couple days. But uh, yeah, it's been a good week for live performance for uh, me and Marlene. So that's what's going on with me. Time for some recommendations, Chris. What do you have to recommend?
0: Well, Matt, I was going to recommend everything, everywhere all at once because I did finally watch it. Yeah, and I did great. love it. Yeah, fantastic. But I know that you had recommended it before, and I know that like I was probably the last, like AC and I were probably the last two people to see it who wanted <laughs> to see it. Yeah. Shout out to uh, the entire cast, but honestly, uh, you know, Kehi Kwan's comeback story, great. Yeah, Stephanie Sue, oh yeah, like unbelievable in that movie, so good. And obviously, the goat Michelle Yeoh executes a a wonderful, pitch perfect pile driver. Yeah, is that the only Academy Award nominated movie to ever have an extended butt plug scene and someone saying the phrase? Is that pro wrestling?
1: <laughs> but both of those things,
0: yes, yes. It's yeah. it's a likely winner, so we'll see. But yeah, Any, either of those elements alone is usually like that's Oscar bait, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that movie rules. But tonight, I sat down and uh, watched a little something that I know you were looking forward to. I was looking forward to it. Oh yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna recommend Poker Face. Yeah, that is the. It, it is the. Uh, it's Columbo. It's the new Columbo. It's exactly the. It's almost exactly the new Columbo. I don't know if. Like I know that's what Natasha Leone sounds like. It but is, she, but she's also doing Peter Falk, fully like, an impression. And again, I know that is actually what she sounds like as a human being. Yeah. A buddy, she's leaning hard into it. If you don't know what this is, this is the new uh, Peacock uh, original, which means they can swear as much as they want because there's no rules on the internet, baby. There's no rules on streaming. That's right. You can you can say a a, a fudge word all you want. We're going blue on the cock. <laughs> Nothing funnier than referring to Peacock as the cock. <laughs> I got that from Robert Newsom. Yeah. Of the atomic elbow, yeah. But what a what a great bit! This is a television show that was created by Natasha Leone and Ryan Johnson of Glass Onion and Knives Out, uh, two of my favorite detective movies, mystery movies. I guess would be bit, well, I don't know. You know what they are? They're, they're detective I'm, movies. That I mean, also Brick, which is sort of a
1: detective movie, sort of a noir,
0: and and the best Star Wars movie, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I said it in a minute. How can I say something so brave? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a hero. It is heavily inspired by Columbo, but it's, it, it's ve- very clearly heavily inspired by Columbo. But it's also definitely 60% Columbo, 40% Rockford Files, and that's the perfect television show.
1: Now, are Uh, the episodes are the episodes Columbo length, or are they an hour?
0: They are; they're about an hour. Okay, they're a full hour, so they are like Columbo episodes in that respect. Like we started the second one at I think seven thirty-two, and then uh, we ended it right before you and I started recording. So, pretty much a full hour. Natasha Leone plays uh, Charlie Kale, uh, who just has a gift where she can 100% of the time tell when someone is intentionally lying to her. She's not a cop, and is explicitly not a cop. In each episode, she solves a crime and takes down somebody who really deserves it. But in the way that you watch Columbo, and they're so good, and the bad guys you hate so much, and if you have ever... Seen any police procedural or know anything? You're like that does not hold up in court. Columbo caught, but did not convict that guy. There is some good stuff. It's not always the takedown you think it's going to be in Poker Face. Natasha uh, mm-hmm. Leone's great in it. Uh, I referred to uh, my boy Adrian Brody as the uh, as the the rich casino owner in the first episode, uh, and AC was like. He's your boy? And I was like, yeah, Adrian Brody, he's my boy. And she was like, because of Predators? (laughs) And I said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know I love Adrian Brody and Predators. Uh, He's great. The first two episodes are out now. Uh, They are both great and just highly enjoyable. It's something that I've been anticipating for a long time and well worth watching on the cock. Matt? If you have not watched uh, Poker Face yet, what is your recommendation?
1: Well, Chris, one thing that I did over the past week is my annual look at all of the best of music lists from 2022. Weeks late. I looked at what the best music of the year was, and surprisingly I knew a lot of it. Like I actually was kind of conversant with a lot of the music that was really good this year, but every or last year, but every time I look at those lists, I end up finding one thing that I missed that I end up saying, "Oh, yeah, that was really good, and I missed that, and now I'm gonna listen to it on repeat throughout January, and I found it. Chris, have you ever heard of like a pop song or a rock song that is so good?
0: that when it does a key change you want to stand up uh yes yes that is in fact one of my favorite the, the when there's like a like a really dope key change and mm-hmm. also when uh all the music drops out but like the singer and like everybody else in the band keeps singing a little bit yeah. and then the yeah. like drums come back in that's a, that's the other thing that I really like this song has both of
1: those things and I I'm recommending the whole album but in particular, one song. So the album is by a Canadian band called Always. The, it, the W is two Vs. So it looks like Alvaves,
0: but it's pronounced Always. People gotta stop doing that. I, <laughs> I had to go through this with Chiverches.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, they're similar to Chiverches in some ways. And their album, they've been around for a little while. Their album is called Blue Rev, which, as I understand it, is the Canadian version of Mad Dog 2020. Okay. It's like cheap liquor you can buy.
0: Then I have Mad Dog in it, it, Our Neighbors to the North? Do they know about Mad Dog 2020? I don't know,
1: but they have Blue reverend And that's kind of the vibe of the album. Uh, it's sort of like late teen drinking behind a convenience store sort of music. And uh, the one song that blew me away and I think was like number one on some like best song of the year lists was this song called Belinda says. And the reason it's called Belinda says is a line at the end about the song. Heaven is a place on earth.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great.
1: Yes. And it's, it's just ear pleasing power pop. The fact that that song was not a number one hit is a crime. I implore you to fire up whatever music streaming app that you like and listen to this song because it is transcendent. It's like two and a half minutes long. It's got one fantastic key change at the end and man, it's so good. I've just been listening and listening to it.
0: This is the, this is the band that did uh, uh, Archie Marry Me, uh, which is a song that I believe was on our wedding playlist.
1: Yes. Yes. Them. They've been around for a while.
0: Yeah. Uh, What's the name of the the song?
1: It's called Belinda Says. Belinda Says, right. Like Belinda Carlisle. Yeah. Yeah. The song seems to be set circa 1987. I have a theory that it's actually about the singer's mother. Okay. Because it's all about a woman who is pregnant and is determined to move to the country and have her baby. Um, It's so good. Please go listen to it. It fucking rules. That's my recommendation. Chris, with that, it's time to talk about some comics. Let's do it. Let's do it. Chris, DC Comics has this new thing, Dawn of DC. We've had the New 52. We've had Rebirth. We've had DCU. DCU? The forgotten one? Yeah. And the new one is Dawn of DC, which is not actually running through all the books. It seems to be mostly a Superman thing. And the first salvo in Dawn of DC is Action Comics number 1051. You know, I guess the first salvo was World's Finest. Because it was like, here's like some Superman that's kind of more feel-good with Mark Wade writing it, and just some really good fucking art uh, by Dan Mora. Mm -hmm. And so that is like the ethos of the Superman line now. Like, we're going to do some fun stuff and we're going to have incredible art. Action Comics 1051 absolutely continues that. It's kind of the Superman family book now. Like, all the Superman people are in it. It's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Rafa Sandoval. It's a very good looking comic. And I
0: mean, that sounds exactly like what I want from DC Comics, Matt. Yeah, I think you would really
1: like this because, you know, the, like Detective Comics was the Bat Family book for a while. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely very definitely the Superman family book where it's like Clark and John and Connell and Supergirl and the two new kids that Lois and Clark have adopted and uh, Keenan Kong and Steele and his daughter, like John and Natasha, it's everybody and Lois. It's kind of just like, a family superhero book so far, uh, where you know Metallo eventually shows up, right. but I really like the tone of it. It's not trying
0: to be dark at all, and that is refreshing. Nice, like that. I I want to pick that up because, like, that's what I want out of a Superman story. Yeah, it's it's on track so far.
1: To be like good stuff, it feels like World's Finest has set the tone for Superman stuff specifically, and I could not be more on board for that. Uh, So, big checkmark to Action Ten Fifty One, Chris. You wanted to talk about Catwoman One Bad Day Number One
0: because of the title
1: Uh uh,
0: of the of the sort of not event really, but they're linked one shots because of the title. I was a little leery, I guess I should say, of of the one bad day villain one-shots. And if you haven't been following along, we've talked about a couple of these, I think. uh, They've all been stories that relate to Batman villain origins. Like something that happened to them that either set them down the path that would eventually see them becoming supervillains, or accentuates that in some way like the mr freeze one was really good and it was kind of focused on the problems in uh, victor and nora freeze's life which was uh interesting but i have to say by and large the ones that i've read have been really good and this one is my favorite uh it is by g willow wilson and jamie mckelvey with uh clayton coles doing lettering and, uh, of course, a cover by Jimmy McKelvey. And, hey, guess what? This G. Willow Wilson, Jamie McKelvey comic uh, is good. Is real good. And it looks great. And Catwoman looks great in it. This is the most I've liked that costume.
1: With the, the weird cutouts on the underarms.
0: Yeah, I don't know if anybody else is... I, I, surely this is the design, but McKelvey draws it as what is very clearly like a halter top, and then like a kind of mantle that goes on her shoulders over it, mm-hmm. which makes a little bit more sense, I think. But I hadn't seen it drawn like that. Plus, he draws Catwoman as extremely jacked. <laughs> like Catwoman, Catwoman. There is a scene where uh, Selena is in like an evening gown, and she's ripped. <laughs> she has like <laughs> Barda arms. Uh, <laughs> She looks great. I wish more people would do that. G. Willow Wilson does a really incredible uh, script that, even despite the obvious uh, comparisons between the two characters, it did seem... It wasn't necessarily reminiscent, but it reminded me as a reader a lot of what we've seen from uh, Jen McKay uh, writing Black Cat lately, yeah. Yeah. in that Catwoman's target in this is... A brooch that her mother had that she pawned when Selena and Maggie, uh, Catwoman's sister, were kids. And so she's stealing it back. And that kind of gets her into some stuff. Uh, I will tell you this, too. Everybody out there who likes sexy Nightwing, read this comic. Because you get sexy Batman in this. This is Batman at his sexiest. Like, there is a full page. Like, there's a splash page of Batman, and I am a straight says man, was like, damn, Jamie McKelvey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and his interactions with Selena in this are, like, the most kind of human and believable and interesting that I've seen their relationship in a while. Wilson kills it on the script. That's your name, Matt. It is, uh, in fact, my last name. And McKelvey also completely demolishes it on the art front. None of those things are surprising, but I was still surprised at just how good this book was. Uh, So absolutely uh, give this one a read. I I will catch up on that. And Chris, our
1: last book is one I'm going to ask you to catch up on. Because I did today. I read all the issues I had missed of... The Rom-V, sometimes Raphael Albuquerque, sometimes other artists run on Detective Comics. Uh, it, it is up to issue 1068 now. And I'm going to tell you the thing that's going to make you catch up on this comic, Chris. Big Batman R.I.P. vibes. Okay. It's not exactly like Batman R.I.P., it's sort of less about batman and more about gotham city and the families of gotham city um essentially what it is is it's like an old family of gotham city coming in and like trying to sort of get their paws back on everything after being gone for a while and they sort of feel like the black glove in some ways. Uh and one of them is also a, were- a werewolf. Oh, okay. Yep. Um and and so it's it's Batman dealing with that and also it's it's a lot of th- this this family being contrasted with the Waynes in a lot of ways. Uh which I think is is a cool thing to do while there's all kinds of barbatos demon stuff going on. And another i think point of comparison to batman rip is villains are used in ways that aren't just them like showing up and antagonizing batman they have more complex motivations so two-face in this is kind of playing what the joker role was in batman rip okay he's he's conflicted throughout this like two-face often is but in a different way <laughs>
0: uh i mean i mean two faces often conflicted is a pretty that is an accurate statement matt yes he's he's
1: conflicted in a way that two faces are usually conflicted is how i'll put it and uh, mr freeze is also used in that way um where his his beef isn't really with batman it's in with other things that are going on um I think it's really good. It's not necessarily the story I anticipated from the first issue, but it is like really intriguing and clearly like it's a big story that's building to a climax. It seems like it seems like it's trying to be it's it's going to be one of those like you know 12 issue arcs that really like hopefully pays off big in the end. Because we're seven in now, and I'm really digging it. So, Chris, I I really think it's worth catching up on. Um, Because we've talked about Chip's Batman a lot, and this book has kind of been left in the cold. And I think it's worth catching up on, for sure. All right. You've, You've sold me on it, Matt. I'm glad. And... Now, onto a book that we've both been sold on for quite a while. Let's talk about some Mark Grunwald Captain America.
0: Oh, here we go. It's the 90s, baby. Chris, I feel like we
1: have an audience that is especially suited to be interested in our sponsor, Paperlike. We do a podcast that's mostly about comic books. We have a lot of artists who listen to the show, and the Paperlike. Screen protector for the iPad
0: makes writing and drawing on an iPad feel like you're writing and drawing on paper. That's right, Matt. Now dig this. I'm a note taker. I'm a notebook guy. I'm a stationary guy. A pen guy. But ever since I got the new iPad with the Apple Pencil, I've loved taking notes on it. The only thing that stops me is that it doesn't feel like writing on paper, which I love. I love that feeling. It's one of the reasons that I take notes so much and write down on paper. But with Paperlike, I get that feeling with the convenience, the editability, everything that I love about taking notes on the iPad with the Apple Pencil, I get with the feeling of writing on paper, which sounds so simple, but is so very nice. And if you're wondering how Paperlike makes it feel like that, they
1: have this technology. It's a proprietary technology called NanoDots. And that creates the natural resistance of paper while you're writing on your iPad screen. It's pretty amazing. And even if you're not an artist, even if you're just a person who likes to take notes, who needs to write things down to remember them, you're going to really, I think, like the feel of having this on your iPad and Chris, I know you've been using yours
0: It was so weird when I started taking notes on the iPad because as much as I like the convenience it's weird to see my handwriting and notice the differences between when I have that resistance and when it's moving across something so smooth We're we're 40, you and I right <laughs> yeah. now I've been writing on paper for a long time so it took me a minute to really get used to with paper like though i get to just have that same feeling that feels so familiar feels so comfortable but i get to erase when i write a letter that looks weird which i do in paper notebooks all the time i can never get my b to look right you know my my b always looks weird what like i get it right one out of 7 times with Paperlike, I get the feeling of writing on paper, but I get to go back and fix it if I don't like the way that B looks. And that's nice. That's important to me. I know I sound like I'm obsessing, but that's the kind of product this is. If you are the person who obsesses over the feeling of writing on paper, like I do, then you will love it.
1: The latest iteration of Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils that are designed for maximum picture clarity. They're not going to obscure the image on your iPad. And every Paperlike comes in a set of two. So if you need to replace it, or if you have two iPads, you will have two Paperlikes to put on your screen. Here's what you need to do. To pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. If you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com ajax to get started. Captain America number 414 has what I might call the most basic cover we've ever seen during this whole run because yeah that is an orange gradient Captain America Black Panther Kazar and Falcon Kazar and Black Panther's logos in the top right corner and the
0: blurb Action in the Savage Land No no background just a nope. just a gradient it's a nice orange gradient. Um, I actually, uh, when I was down in Columbia last weekend, I was with Chad Bowers, my former co-writer. We worked uh, together on some stuff at Marvel and some other things. Uh, he was com- like looking for back issues. We went to a comic book store together, obviously. And he was like filling in what he had left in his Mark Grunewald Captain America run. And this is <laughs> one of the ones that he bought. And he showed it to me. What is going on with Captain America's chest on this cover? No idea. No idea. Rick Levins has ceased to be able to draw the star on Captain America's chest.
1: I mean, clearly he's trying to do some kind of like perspective thing with it, but it does not work. It, it looks like a little guy. It looks like a Luna Knight from Aqua Teen Hunger Force.
0: Yeah, it looks it looks like uh, like a like a guy like it's a Mario Brothers guy.
1: (laughs) Like a shy guy. He's very
0: excited. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes there's a little guy shaped like stars.
1: Yes. It's star guy. It's it's weird. It's weird.
0: He's like going, yay.
1: Well, I think maybe Rick Levins. Had other obligations on this issue, because. Okay. Okay. He's not the only credited artist. On the interiors, it's Rick Levin's and MC Wyman.
0: That is correct. I will say though, what's wild is Captain America also carries a shield mm-hmm. that has that same star on it, mm-hmm. and the shield's right. Well, the shield
1: is—you can only see half of the star, but yeah,
0: yeah. But like, even if you go to like the the first page of the issue. Again, Levin's clearly trying to do, like, oh, when Cap moves his arms in a certain way, it's going to pull that logo up. That's not how that costume works. I'm sorry, Rick. Rick, you do a good job, if you're listening. I've I've been very pleased with your art. Uh, You clearly enjoyed drawing Diamondback, and that's great. But, buddy, you goofed it on this star. The the weirdest
1: credit in this issue is for the anchors, which is Dan Bolandi and his friends.
0: That's great. I don't know what that means. That sounds like some Krusty Bunker stuff to me. That sounds like maybe Larry Hama did some work on this.
1: <laughs> uh, the title of this issue is Escape from Aim Isle, which is not the entirety of what happens in this issue. It's actually, the Escape from aim, aim Isle happens pretty quickly and is not especially complicated. Did we say this is April of 1993, by the way? I don't think we did, but that's when it is. Yeah, we're in 1993 now. Cap rescues Superior from the water. She does not thank him, and he makes sure to note that
0: right from page one. The dialogue is great. Captain, this is what Captain America says on page one. Managed to stun the ever monstrous Modam, but if I don't break Superior out of those heavy metal body shackles, Modam wrapped her in, my femazon enemy is going to sink to the bottom of the sea like a lead statue. So I, I just liked the ever monstrous modem, and my Femazon enemy.
1: And Superior's Thought Balloon is, Captain America coming to my rescue? Oh, she doesn't like that. She doesn't like that. She swims away and doesn't think Cap. Uh, we also get a ton of... You can tell that this issue is sort of a reset. And I have a an idea of why that I'll get to once we get to the end of this issue. But there are tons of editor's notes. We're told that Diamondback is Cap's girlfriend. We're given the uh, abbreviation, what the abbreviation AIM stands for, Advanced Idea Mechanics. It it even explains who Falcon is. Like, there are tons of editor's notes in here that that I think are, it's pretty clear why. Uh, Cap gets picked up by his flagship, Falcon and Shang-Chi come and meet them out in the ocean and Diamondback manages to come meet them too so they're all going to be out like trying to escape a island. eventually. We do get a little interlude in here where we see Kazar in the Savage Land. He he finds this like rock drilling machine and he's like what's this? What's going on? Uh out in the ocean Captain America and all his friends get attacked by these big AIM robots that say halt or you will be neutralized. And the lettering on that is great. It is great. The neutralized is all like distressed and weird. <laughs> I really like it.
0: Yeah, it's it's meant to be like electric, but it's like clearly hand-lettered. Yeah. So it's 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 really cool. Uh, it kind of like it honestly There is a sort of charming, like, comic you made when you were a kid quality to it, I think. Yeah, the lettering in this issue,
1: that's another reason why I feel like the vibe is different, is because the lettering is different. Yeah. Uh, The letters in this are by Rick Parker, and they're clearly different from what the letters have been up to now. Cap and his friends come up with this truly bad plan to get around the robots where like some of them are going to go above them and some of them are going to go under them and it does not work. And so they all get shot down and diamondback falls into the water and has a flashback to when she drowned. And so when cap tries to save her, she like struggles and panics. And when he finally pulls her out of the water, there's like water on her face, but they're drawn to look like tears.
0: Yeah. Rachel's having a hard time.
1: She's having a hard time. Back to Kazar who is trying to figure out what this truck is doing gathering up all these rocks. And there's just this one panel where Kazar says the truck's moving. It must be going somewhere to dump its load. Weirdly horny.
0: I also noticed that and I th- I had to sit here and think about it. I was like, "Well, that is that is the accurate description of what that is."
1: Yeah, it's not like what he's saying is wrong, but it's like is that horny is is Mark doing is a that, funny?
0: Yeah. I I don't know, but it's it's hard to tell sometimes. Uh back in the Caribbean we get the sound effects Tzoosh, tzoosh. t z w o s h those are good and then Cap uses a uh a cable shooter. It's it's Batman's it's, it's a grappling hook on, grappling yeah. hook thing, yeah. And that goes to zoom. Which is F T Z O O M, which I it, really I enjoyed that one. To it catches on one of the robot's shins, and it says "kutump." Underappreciated master of sound effects.
1: Yeah, Mark Grumwald. Long story short, everybody ends up getting saved by the Cap's new pilot. I forget. I forgot his name already.
0: Well, he he says it, Matt, and he doesn't get Moon a moonhunter. Point who he is, like like Falcon or Diamondback, but he does get a uh, first person, like a thought balloon or thought bubble in this that says, "But hey, if Caps didn't want a pilot who couldn't do the impossible now and then, he wouldn't have hired Zachary Moonhunter."
1: Yeah, it's Moonhunter.
0: That's right. We need to all have the self-actualization and confidence of a Mark Grunwald character introducing themselves to new readers.
1: You're not kidding. So Moonhunter drops a bunch of EMP bombs that deactivate the robots. That saves everybody. Then everybody gets saved again by Nick Fury. Moonhunter deactivates all the robots, then Nick Fury blows them up.
0: Yeah. And then Nick Fury is like, Hey Cap, uh you got you got anything for me? And Cap's like, Hey, you know this whole army full this island full of supervillains where like all the low rent supervillains are? Um, you should go deal with that. I don't want to deal with it anymore. And that's kind of like the best thing about the Marvel universe, and the worst thing about Marvel comics. Yes, like that that you can just like it. It makes sense for Captain America to hand this one off to Shield. Like it's it's their job, right?
1: Yeah, and they're all there for them to just round up. So yeah, it makes sense.
0: As a like. Reading this story, I'm like, man, I wish this story hadn't ended with with the guy whose name is on the cover telling somebody else to go deal with it. Somebody else who I don't think has a book right now. So there's no possibility we're even going to see this happen.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like, okay, that story is over. Shang-Chi is just like, drop me off wherever you like.
0: Literally, literally he says, drop me off wherever convenient. Yes. And... Then we're on to a new story where
1: Black Panther has called Moonhunter and said, hey, are you going to make it to my wedding? So everybody goes to Wakanda in that group, and they're told as soon as they arrive that the wedding is off. Right. We don't even know who he was going to marry. That's got to be a fast turnaround. Yeah, maybe that happened in another book, but as far as what we know from this comic, Black Panther was going to get married, then a few hours later, he was not going to get married. And the reason for this is that the economy of Wakanda is being totally shaken by more vibranium going on to the market. A, a rival nation is trying to take over their vibranium supply. And this whole scene is filled with, like, explanations of basic economics. There's a character, there's a Wakandan character, who says, I confess I do not understand all the vagaries of the stock market. And that's one of the moments where I had to be like, Mark,
0: I also took note of that, because if you're right, and this is kind of a reset, and we need to explain who this is for all the kids, you know, all the, like, who are getting into this, oh boy, are we going to get some intense stock market action to, like, uh, like Wakanda's economy is in danger? Well, not only
1: that, but the fact that, like, Wakandan characters are like, I don't understand this money. Like, Mark... <laughs>
0: I mean that's also pretty bad. That's, I mean I mean look to their credit the stock market is stupid. Uh, yes, very much so. I mean like that there's there's no follow up to that. It is. I forget who said it, but uh it is a graph of rich people's feelings. That is exactly what it is. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's stupid and I don't understand why everyone's retirement has to be tied into it. But Long story short, the Wakandan economy is being threatened, so everybody has to go to the Savage Land to find out what's going on. Because Black Panther knows the only place where there's other vibranium in the world, besides Wakanda, is the Savage Land. But that vibranium isn't pure. It has to be processed to be made into usable vibranium. So they assume someone is mining the vibranium in the savage land and doing some kind of process on it to make it usable.
0: Yeah, Antarctic vibranium destroys metal. Yeah. And so like that's that's the problem and no one can purify it, but if someone has figured it out, then they're going to tank Wakanda's economy. No comics should be about threats to the economy.
1: <laughs> so everybody goes to the savage land. We know from the Khazar stuff that happened in this issue that AIM is behind it, yeah. and they have captured it. By the end of the issue, they have captured Khazar, and he's being taken to the Lair of the Sar Lords, which includes uh, Sauron and other dinosaur guys.
0: Uh, yeah, see, that's the that's that's the thing, and that's the thing about comics of this era, and that's the thing about Mark Grunewald, Is that it does set up like, okay, we're looking at the devaluation of Wakanda's economy by dinosaur people. (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, I'm like, why didn't you just, you could have led with the dinosaur people. That's the end of the issue. And
1: the whole, reading this whole issue, I was like, ah, the vibe is off. And it occurred to me, why, when we got to the end. Because we have changed editors. Ah. Ralph Macchio is no longer the editor on this book. He's been replaced with Mike Rockwitz, who has also changed the name of the letters column. It is no longer American Graffiti. It is now Let's Rap with Cap.
0: Yeah, the classic. Return of the classic uh, Captain America letter column name. The the way I would describe the vibe change,
1: and it's I, it's it's not a Grunwald thing. It's just a vibe thing. It's that the book got a little dumber.
0: Yeah, yeah, kinda. It did. Like I was so, reading this, and it's like this is such a look. We love Mark Grunwald. Yeah, and and we and honestly, I think we've both been very positive about Rick Levin's. Ron Lim, like all of the artistic celebrities on this book, but certainly Kieran Dwyer, certainly Kieran Dwyer. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is this is such a like standard length of 1993 Marvel comic, yeah, like non X Men Marvel comic, and meanwhile, like the Kieran Dwyer stuff feels like raw as hell today, and it's like such layered, complex storytelling.
1: I'm not saying that like i don't feel like i'm being i'm overstating anything by saying that like the whole saga leading up to cap 350 is all these different storylines converging into this like big awesome moment right and then after that it kind of lost a little bit of that but it still had some of that threaded storytelling mhm that's out the window here <laughs> Like now we're in this st- doing stories where it's like, "Hey, Black Panthers wants you to come as- wants you to come to his wedding." Oh wait, no, the wedding's not happening because the economy's falling apart. So we have to go to the Savage Land.
0: Like that's where we are. It's weird, and it's weird that like this is now a book that has Cap and the Falcon, but then also in the next issue. Or or maybe the issue after that, we've got like Cap, the Falcon, Black Panther, Kazar, Shang Chi is in this one, and then he just kind of like, you know, literally just asks the story to drop him off wherever wherever's convenient. Uh but then like we get the D Man stuff coming back. There's just a little too much going on in this book. It's it's a weird like
1: too much and not enough. Yeah because it's it's a very straightforward story where it's just like now this happens, now this happens, now this happens instead of like threading stories together. Like notably the backups are gone. You know? Yeah. Cuz everybody's together and so it's just, you know, again, now this happens. That is true of Captain America 415. The cover is Jungle Mayhem. It's not quite a gradient in the background, but it's some foliage and then green on top. And it's Black Panther and Kzar fighting while Captain America, Diamondback, and Falcon
0: watch shocked. They're floating heads. We warm. love we we love a floating head on the cover of a Marvel comic. Yeah. Uh we're back to just Rick Levins
1: on art this issue. And they're in uh the Savage Land. We get a big two page spread on pages two and three of dinosaurs and volcanoes and shit, what you want from a Savage Land story. That's another thing that I feel like is new to these issues. The the big two-page spreads on pages two and three, Kirby style.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that seems like a thing that the new editor, Mike Rockwitz, maybe wanted.
0: Well, Levin's definitely is – like pretty clearly, like if you like go look at the the fight scene between Kazar and Black Panther in this issue, like it doesn 't look like someone doing a Kirby riff, but Levins is clearly like a Kirby guy in terms yeah. of how he draws certain things there's a panel of uh, Diamondback writing the Sky cycle that looks for all the world like it's it 's mr Miracle on his on his uh, little uh, aero discs
1: so everybody immediately splits up, Captain Diamondback go looking for Kazar at his house, at his hut, in the trees, and don't find him. They end up finding uh,
0: Sabu. Zabu. Not Uh, Sabu. The lights go out, (laughs) they come back on, he's pointing at the ceiling. He's got a chair. He's got Uh, a chair.
1: Uh, Zabu is who I meant. Black Panther's gonna go try to investigate the whole situation with the uh, vibranium mining, and Falcon's just going to go fly around and do aerial reconnaissance, and he ends up finding this, like, big futuristic-looking facility that he's immediately trapped in. Um, so, well, actually, Black Panther, first, is going to go find some Savage Land natives to talk to, and they're going to have, like... A not-great-stereotypical conversation where he is offered a woman? I don't like
0: this. This is... This is... It's rough. Here are the, the three notes that I... I The first four notes that I wrote for this issue. Ready? Number yep. one. Stocks and dinosaurs? <laughs> Uh, number two is just uh, quoting Diamondback saying, oh, shoot, with uh, four H's in O and six O's in shoot, which I like. When they're, when they're getting attacked by the saber-toothed tiger, Zabu. Uh, this is more of a, a general criticism of every comic with Kzar in it. Really missing an opportunity here to have Zabu act like a cat.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like just knocking shit over. Yeah. And then the fourth one, and you can tell what happens, is woof, Mark. Wolf,
1: yeah, so he is offered a young woman named Maza in the hopes that she will marry Black Panther by this tribal group, and the first thing Black Panther does, he like sees one of these mining trucks, so he leaves Maza on his skycycle and says, "I'm going to go check this out, stay here." And then he is immediately attacked by Kazar. His fight with Kazar, like clearly Kazar's being mind controlled or he's been mesmerized in some way. The fight ends up with Kazar in like a tar pit. And Black Panther's like, oh, that sucks. You're in a tar pit, but I'm going to save you. You just have to like stop being a dick to me. And Kazar's like, no, fuck you. I'll die.
0: <laughs> Two things about this entire fight. Number one, Kazar attacks Black Panther, and Panther's thought bubble is a white man with considerable strength. (laughs) (laughs) Which I get, but is funny. It is funny, yeah. That's how people should have reacted to those heels at the wrestling show that you went to. Yes, you're right, yeah. Number two, I do kind of appreciate that to me, and I, you know, obviously w- we won't know because I don't. You know, he he passed away in 1996, and I don't think anybody ever did like a really exhaustive interview about the events of Captain America 415. To me, this feels like Mark Grunwald wanting to do like a hero fights fights a savage story, but he wanted to do it where. The, the hero was Black Panther and the savage guy was like a blonde white guy It's an interesting attempt at inverting like that kind of story it it's not pulled off as well as it could be and it's as much as I I, I feel like that was the intent to kind of reclaim that a little bit and and do a more modern version of it for nineteen ninety three it it's it's not it's not great, looking back, especially when Kazar calls Black Panther dark devil
1: yeah that's not that's not so that's, good
0: that's that's a rough one, so Black
1: Panther tries to save Kazar, but Kazar lets go of the rope that he or vine that he throws down to him, so Black Panther ends up falling in the tar pit too. And Black Panther says, now look, we're both stuck. You really are a savage, aren't you? And Kazar just goes, ha ha ha. And that art of Kzar is super Jack Kirby-ish, I have to yeah. say. Meanwhile, Captain America and Diamondback get attacked by dinosaur men. The, most, the best part of that whole sequence is Captain America seeing Zabu fighting some dinosaur guys and saying, God and country! I love it every time he says it. I know Grunewald tried to get that over as a Cap- Captain America catchphrase. It's, I love it.
0: I, I'm glad it got over with you. Yeah. Because uh, it ain't never getting over.
1: No. Uh, but while Cap is fighting the dinosaur guys, Diamondback is trying to come help on a Sky Cycle. And you ain't kidding. It's a very, like, Big Barda looking panel, that one.
0: Yeah, she almost looks like like. Orion riding his uh, Astro Harness in there. Like, it's that, like, that pose. Uh, yeah. Which, I you know, again, I I think it's cool. Like, I think Levins does a lot of good stuff. He's, he like, he ain't Kieran Dwyer, but who is? While
1: she's, like, flying in to try to save Cap, she sees Snapdragon on the screen of the Sky Cycle, like, clearly hallucinating Snapdragon. Like, she's, the whole thing here is, like, Diamondback has PTSD. Even though she's dealt with Snapdragon now, she still has like PTSD about her. So she flies the skycycle into a tree.
0: Well, now she's dealing with she's fucking murdered. Yeah, Snapdragon. So she's dealing with that. Like I, this part of it, if it wasn't so repetitive. Because it is very, like, this is, she crashes the Sky Cycle, like, twice. Like, does the same thing twice in two issues.
1: Yeah, I think it happens again next issue. Yeah. Yeah. So she gets knocked out, because she crashes into a tree. And Cap ends up getting surrounded by a bunch of aim guys and knocked out. We end with Falcon in this big tower that he found, encountering the High Technician. Ugh. Who's this fucking weirdo with a metal head?
0: You want to talk about shit that's never going to get over. (laughs) The high technician would be nothing
1: without Lorelai. Yeah. His Dolly Parton-looking partner.
0: Yeah, Lorelai doesn't usually look like this.
1: Uh, Lorelai, who immediately does her mental mesmerism on Falcon, which we can... Infer, she also did on KZR.
0: You talking about? You talking about when? Uh, when the high technician says, "Bind his mind."
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna look up Lorelai. Yeah, she doesn't normally look like that at all. Wow. Rick really went off off model with Lorelai on that one. Huh. Okay.
0: Yeah. Again, yeah, I think he's trying to do a Kirby thing. But that is, that's not how Wallis is in drawer. She looks like Dolly Parton.
1: Captain America four hundred and sixteen. Another just solid color background on this cover, yellow. Uh, we've got Captain America punching some dinosaurs on the cover. The blurb is Savage Land Showdown, and Captain America is very wide. <laughs>
0: He's he's a bit thick. This is Liefeldian.
1: I I feel like that's what Rick Levin's is
0: going for. It What's looks like action figure packaging. It kind of does, yeah. But like for like for the Dollar General Captain USA figure, <laughs> yeah. Like the a it, is- this is this is for Super League where where it's Captain America Shrek and and John Cena.
1: Yeah. We talked about the star on a couple covers ago. The A is what looks weird in this one. It's not the typical Captain America A. We start with Captain America once again surrounded by aim guys. Uh, he tries to fight a bunch of them off. We get another big two-page spread on pages two and three uh, where very Kirby-like Captain is like Captain America is like charging into a bunch of aim dudes at once. And we even get like it on page 4 like a guy in the corner of a panel freaking
0: out. Yeah. Like this is a full on like Omac style opening. Yeah. Like in fact like if this is not a direct riff on Omac 2, I would be shocked. It feels like it has to be.
1: Yeah, Because there's an aim guy in the corner of like one of these panels who's just saying, Who's shooting? Who's shooting? Because <laughs> this ends up being total chaos. Because as Cap is fighting a bunch of these dudes, someone, some aim person, just starts shooting out of nowhere. And Cap is about to punch that person out when they take their helmet off and reveal themselves to be Diamondback. Mm-hmm. Who, I guess, was not knocked out. When she crashed the sky cycle, instead she went and got an aim uniform. uh Meanwhile, Black Panther and Kazar are still in this tar pit. Black Panther has figured out a way to use a vine to pull himself out of the tar, and he's like, "Okay, Kazar, please come out." and Kazar's like, "Nope." so Black Panther says, "Be that way, savage." by the, ba- the by the time you manage to free yourself i'll be long gone so black panther just pieces out he took his shirt off through this process by the way <laughs> he used his shirt as a way to like pull himself out of the tar he goes back and finds maza who's still waiting for him meanwhile falcon has been mesmerized and he's told hey why don't you go back to your friends and tell them to come back here? And then we'll mesmerize them too. And Falcon's like, okay, I'll do that. So he flies off. Captain America and Diamondback have a little bit of a tiff here where Cap's like, uh, did you really start Captain shooting? A real jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, Didn't you – it wasn't that a little much starting to shoot? Isn't that excessive force? And Diamondback's like, I was trying to help you, man.
0: Yeah. (laughs) uh, yeah. I I wanted to be captured, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Finally, Captain America has to be like, yes, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have criticized you. And this leads to a whole thing where like – Rachel's like, I guess I can't do anything right, and then she sees Snapdragon off in the woods, and she starts shooting at Snapdragon. And Cap's like, "What is going on?" And Diamondback goes, "I don't, I don't know, S- Steve. I think there's something wrong with me." And uh, there's like a big panel where they're hugging, and Captain America's like, "Whatever it is, we'll figure it out." Uh, so Black Panther calls Cap on the Avengers card and says, "Hey, I think I know what's going on with the vibranium. Uh, I, I got to go check out something on my own." While Falcon is saying, "Like no, 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 come to where I am. Come to where I am, and I'll, it'll all be good." But Maza gets uh, picked up for a second by uh, Sauron, so. Black Panther has to save her
0: right quick. Is is this Sauron, or is this just another guy who looks exactly like like the energy vampire dinosaur Sauron? I don't know. It's he's not colored the same
1: yeah. as he is is in X Men comics, so I'm not sure.
0: I I will uh, say we get we get a couple of jokes with Maza. One of them is not great, which is where uh, she says, Who are you talking to? Great, sir. She keeps calling Black Panther great, sir. Don't love that. Better than the last issue when she called him master, but not great, mean, At least Black Panther was like, Do not call me that. (laughs) Yeah, as one would expect. Uh, She says, Who are you talking to? And he says a friend. And she says, Your friend is very small. Which, it's hard to tell, honestly, if Maz is doing a bit here. I don't think that's the intention. I don't think it is either, but she's so deadpan. And she's like, she's written so deadpan that it's very hard to tell. The other bit that I actually think is really good is when Black Panther comes back to the Sky Cycle and she says, Oh, you've lost your shirt. Do you want mine? And Black Panther just goes, it's not necessary.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As Cap and Diamondback are on their way to go meet Falcon, they have a conversation about what's going on with Diamondback. And Cap's like, hey, does this have something to do with crossbones? Like when you were held captive by crossbones? And we all know that she was like, he showed me how to love or whatever. (laughs) But Diamondback goes, no, it's nothing to do with crossbones. I promise. So Diamondback has to go save Maza. Or not Diamondback, uh, Black Panther has to go save Maza. Cap and Diamondback go to the layer of the high technician. Pretty quickly, they are mesmerized, or there's an attempt to mesmerize them. But we find out that Falcon's been faking it the whole time. Because of his infrared lenses. Oh, man. Those infrared lenses did it again.
0: Oh, man. And you know... Magical hypnotism can't get through infrared lenses. It just can't. just can't.
1: A bunch of dinosaurs attack Captain America and Falcon and Diamondback, and uh, they fight. There's a pretty great moment where Diamondback is attacked by this Triceratops dude. She like shoves at one of her like exploding diamonds, like right between his eyes. It's pretty dope. That's a good Diamondback moment. When she finally beats him, she says, "Pointy head should watch where he's going."
0: Uh, it's it's pretty good. Uh, she also says uh, another phrase that I wrote down, which is, "Hey hornhead, toot on this." <laughs>
1: <laughs> T- toot on this. Uh, then the whole tower gets attacked by Terminus, who shows uh-huh. up out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> it's just yeah. here he is.
0: Uh, and we do get a a we do get two really good bits about how, kind of how out of left field this is. One of them is that the next issue blurb says, next, how to fight a 300-foot alien. Be here. yeah. And then at the end of the letter column, uh, next, terminus? 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 The explanation ends up not being bad. It's not bad, but it's also like, man, really trying to get it over. Really trying to get a lot of stuff over. Say this for Grunewald. He tries to get a lot of stuff over.
1: He's constantly trying to get things over. This this Mark Grunwald, Captain America 417, another cover with no background, just a gradient. Captain America and Falcon are fighting Terminus, and we get the blurb: Terminated. Really stay in current with those references. Terminator 2 was at least a year earlier.
0: Yeah, no, two years. I, I earlier. like Terminus because Terminus is like like a like a a chubby Eternal. Uh huh. <laughs> He's kind of round. <laughs> I like he's stocky. He's like a stocky, a, a, a stocky celestial.
1: Got a, got a big
0: old, he's a stocky celestial. Got a big old shiny head. He got a big old head and like a big old round body. I'll, he's he's kind of cute. Is terminus? Well, so terminus is just
1: like the outer shell with a little guy inside. He's like a big a Dalek. Is what he's like. Yeah, kinda. Yeah. So this issue starts with Kazar in a big old footprint, a big old Terminus footprint, mm-hmm. and he goes, ah, and he has shaken off the mind control that he was under the power of by seeing the footprint of Terminus, the alien who destroyed the Savage Land.
0: There's no uh, footnote, but if you've read like the Wade run on Kazar, you'd know he is a foot guy, so –
1: yeah, we are told that it was in Avengers Annual number nineteen that Terminus destroyed part of the Savage Land, and Kazar is not happy about that. This is another big two-page spread, by the way, on pages two and three. But you you hold them up, uh, you you flip the book so it's vertical to look at this one. Title of this issue is Termination Day. Uh. We find out that what Terminus is looking for is uh, the high technician. He's he's going to grab out the high technician and uh, and capture him because after s- some fighting that involves Diamondback seeing uh, Snapdragon's face in Terminus's face, so she crashes the sky cycle again. This time like, knocking her out pretty devastatingly. Black Panther goes inside Terminus and finds that it's being piloted by an aim guy who's like, oh yeah, we figured out how to purify the vibranium ourselves, so we didn't need the high technician anymore. So, like, we're just going to get rid of him. And that's why I'm in Terminus. Which, you know, okay, fine. It is weird that it's just a guy. Like just some aim dude. It's nobody special.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like cause when he first see him, I thought like, oh, is it the machine smith? And it's like, no. No, it's just a guy. It's just a guy who got Reg Barkley yeah. <laughs> into this machine. Yeah.
1: Uh the way he explains it is the discovery of the Terminus armor changed everything. AIM now has the power to seize control of all the Savage Lands assets. It's vibranium, it's diverse life forms, the evolutionary apparatus. Negotiations would seem a trifle redundant, no? So they just said we're going to get rid of the high technician. We don't need him anymore. The yeah, way- that <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, you do, you don't.
1: Yeah. You do not. What AIM didn't bank on is Captain America and Kazar throwing some rocks of vibranium at the Terminus armor, (laughs) thereby destroying the metal. At one point, the Terminus armor tries to shove its hand into the vibranium, and it says, My hand, what have I done? And it's like, Buddy, you should have known this. How did you not know this? That this Savage Land Vibranium destroys metal. That's my question.
0: I'm sorry, Matt. I'm just shaking my head slowly. It <laughs> doesn't <that> make <laughs> for good radio. This guy's just a dummy. <laughs> so, once again, at the end of this issue, they they, they bring down Terminus with Antarctic Vibranium. And then, Captain is like, hey, uh, T'Challa, you, um, you got this one from here, and Charles like, "Yep, <laughs> yeah." And then again, I don't think there was a Black Panther book at the time, so I guess that's just that's just all that's going to happen. Yeah, it's it, this story really it like ends really abruptly.
1: It's just over. Everybody got dealt with in one fell swoop, and it's over. Next, the return of D Man. And speaking of things happening really quickly, Captain America number 418, The Return of D-Man, which has on the cover D-Man fighting a character we'll get to know more about as we continue reading. And the blurb, will Cap be able to save D-Man's life to have or to have not? Which is the actual title of the issue. So, we start where we left off with D-Man which we haven't seen D-Man in a while, he was under New York City in a cavern being accosted by the night people. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. We get a little recap of what happened, where he got left behind by Bernie in Central Park and then attacked by his doppelganger and ended up in the lair of the night people, who are led... By Brother Have Not, who's a guy in a hat and a coat.
0: That's Brother Have Not. I'll, I mean, you're leaving out that he has a shirt that says not? He has a shirt that says not. He's he's a schoolhouse rock character at best. He's a living not joke. He's He should be in a political cartoon yeah
1: he's he's very much like if you were like looking at a conservative political cartoonist's cartoon about homeless people, it would be like conniving homeless people yeah it's like it's like an onion political cartoon version of a homeless person yeah
0: he's he's a real sickos he's a real sickos yeah there's a bit that is like we we get him like explaining his deal and it's so rough. It's it's some rough stuff, bud. <laughs> the the big thing here is that uh they, they put D-man in a little cage while uh Cap brings Diamond back uh back to the hospital to to get her patched up after she rams her exploding Sky Cycle into uh ter- Terminus. Mm-hmm. And then a kid shows up to try and help D-Man get out, and then Brother Have Not starts to beat up the kid for defying his orders. And we get an actually, like, really good, like, almost kind of like Frank Miller-style panel of D-Man just saying, it like, big word balloon, but, like, lots of air in it, uh, small letters, don't. Which, yeah, which is the most badass D-Man has ever been. It's... It's the first
1: thing D-Man has said in like 10 issues, right?
0: More than that, I think.
1: Yeah, probably more than that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he hasn't spoken since he got recovered from the ice, right? From the Arctic. Yeah. So it's the first time he's spoken in quite a while. And what snaps him out of it is Brother Have Not is about to slap a child. Yeah. And it's worth noting, the night people are not all bad. It's it's just Brother Have Not's influence over them that is corrupting. So it's not like Grunewald is saying, like, oh, unhoused people are bad. It's just Brother Have Not is bad.
0: Brother Have Not is bad. Yeah. As far as uh, Boomstick, Post, Red Eye, Way Cool, and Glove, I don't know how... The, the, they could go either way.
1: Well, they are going to go with Brother Have Not up to the surface to steal stuff to bring back down to the rest of the night people. And Brother Have Not's like, "Come, come with me, D man. I'll show you. I'll I'll show you wh- what we do. Because the people on the above, they they built high rise apartments we couldn't afford. So obviously, we need to go up and and steal from them." And, oh, he says, I'm a regular Moses, you understand. <laughs> Which is uh, pretty good, I guess. D-Man's like, you're, no, you're just stealing. This is not some big cry for justice. You're just stealing. And Brother, brother Have Not's like, all right, if you're not going to listen to me, I'll 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 just beat the shit out of you cuz what we find out is that brother have not and D man actually figures this out brother have not absorbs everybody's powers that's that's his deal like he absorbs energy from other people
0: yeah not not in a rogue sort of way cuz like he also like just absorbs it ambiently from anyone around him but you know, D-Man's there who is phenomenally strong, and so he's able to yeah. get stronger just by being around D-Man. Oh, also he, starts, um, he gives this speech. Oh buddy. I, I just want to say
1: one thing he does uh is he the, the way he's trapped in all the night people is he rolled a big rock in front of the entrance to the cave.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <You know. laughs> it, 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 hey, if it works.
1: Uh, but please, continue about the speech.
0: His speech is like a parody of a political cartoon. Like, it, like the Onion comparison is spot on. He's like the, he's like the, the let's scare middle America homeless person. Mm-hmm. Like, he literally says, it's not my fault I have to live like this, it's society's. He and doesn't. he throws D-Man through a car. <laughs> Did I ask to be poor to be homeless, to be unwashed and unloved? No, society has a responsibility to me to all of us, and it's not living up and he like puts d man through a windshield yeah, like it's i mean i mean I mean yeah, uh.
1: your Frank Miller comparison from earlier is really on point, like there are multiple panels in this issue. That look like Frank Miller. Like, there's a bit in here where after D-Man attack or brother Have Not attacks D-Man, D-Man finally like manages to get up and like climb up on a fire escape. And he says, Your boss calls himself have not, but he's really a have. He takes strength from others, from you, from me, from everyone. What kind of man does that to his own brothers? And the way that is drawn and colored. Is such a Frank Miller daredevil panel?
0: It is, which is weird because that dialogue, like I, I read that, and the art is very Miller. The dialogue's very Kirby in this. Yeah. Like you can totally see this being a like a Forever People issue.
1: Yeah, for sure. Also, it's worth mentioning what Captain America's been doing. So he was like, "I'm going to stay by Rachel's side at the hospital." And all it takes is Falcon for one second saying like, you can't do anything here. And Cap's like, you're right. (laughs) And he gets in his plane and starts flying off, uh, eventually to notice, uh, what's going on with, uh, with D man and brother have not. Um, and that's, I believe that's where we, uh, leave the issue, uh, Cap finally arrives after the big fight uh, with Brother Have Not just to block uh, one attack with his shield on a cop and say, Dennis, are you okay?
0: You talk again.
1: What's happened?
0: Yeah, um, so, like, D-Man completely breaks Brother Have Not's spine. Oh, yeah,
1: he... So Brother Have Not is on top of a car, and D-Man does the fucking coup de grace on him from, like, two, three stories up. (laughs) It's brutal.
0: Yeah, D-Man, who weighs, like, 400 pounds, just both feet, and then you see, like, Brother Have Not, like, on this caved-in car. Like, he, he, as God is my witness, he is broken in half. Map. As God is my witness.
1: Yes. Uh brutal. Brutal stuff. Uh one last issue. Captain America four hundred and nineteen. This one has a yellow background. Guest starring Silver Sable, Fangs of the Viper. Uh also on the cover is
0: Ironmonger. It's doing the weird star thing again. Yeah. It's even weirder this time. <laughs> What is somebody, going on? With that? somebody had to somebody needs to pull Rick Levins aside in June of nineteen ninety three and tell him not to draw that star like that anymore. That's so weird it's so weird uh so this is actually
1: a continuation of a story that was in the Silver Sable book, which there was a silver sable book at this time, yeah, Silver Sable in the Wild Pack, yes. So, in the issue we didn't read, Silver Sable was hired by Red Skull to track down Viper, because Red Skull doesn't trust Viper anymore.
0: Viper's gone a little too wild for the Red Skull. He's, he's like, look, yeah, she's gonna destroy American society, but like not in a way that I can benefit from, which is well, pretty good.
1: The way he describes it is, I believe in fomenting chaos in order to bring about a new order. While you believe in fomenting chaos for the sake of chaos. Then there's a Buck Wild panel of Red Skull's face. Yeah. That is it's
0: horrifying. Like, it's like a VHS cover. <laughs> it's gross. Yeah, he he's pretty
1: bananas. We start the story proper. Like the two pages of Red Skull are just kind of like a recap of how he feels about Viper now. Mm-hmm. And then we start in on the story where Silver Sable has captured Viper. Like, uh, clearly what happened in the previous issue is Silver Sable managed to capture Viper
0: after Silver being hired to do is holding a gun under Viper's chin in a very odd perspective shot, but like one that is... There's a lot you could say about this page. Yeah, weirdly horny. It's a lot of this is weirdly very horny. horny. The perspective on the gun is weird. That's also, like, the largest gun it is possible to put in a Marvel comic.
1: Yes. Um, the, we do find out that Battlestar has now joined the Wild Pack, which I guess is was a part of that book.
0: Right? I... I have never actually read Silver Sable in the Wild Pack, and we were asked, like, hey, are you going to read the U.S. Agent miniseries? And I thought about it. Like, I thought I thought I might. I don't think we're going to cover it in depth on the show, but we might need to just read it for context. If we're not going to read the Mark Grunewald U.S. Agent miniseries, we're certainly not going to read Silver Sable in the Wild Pack.
1: No, and, like, this is already 10 years of comics we're doing for this project. I... T- we'll get to the us agent series eventually maybe but they won't be part it won't be part of this um so captain america is like hey silver sable you're working for the red skull maybe you shouldn't uh deliver viper back to him
0: you know like, you know oh. what i'm saying Maybe we just, as a general rule, don't give the Red Skull what he wants, even if he has hired our mercenary organization.
1: Yeah. He says, in fact, catching the Viper was way too easy. She had no real reason to personally supervise that hit on her body double unless she hoped to learn who had hired you. Give me a minute with her in private. I need to question her. And then immediately Viper tries to bite Captain America on the neck. To the point where they have to put, like a muzzle on her. <laughs> and she will give Captain America no answers. So they deliver Viper to the location. Silver Sable li- delivers Viper to the location that she's agreed upon as the delivery spot. And who shows up but Iron Monger, who is like, okay, Red Skull sent me. Here's a message from Red Skull. And he like opens up a laptop <laughs> And Red Skull's on the laptop saying, "Like, uh, hey there, Viper. Uh, <laughs> look, dr- I, I had to. I had to go to drastic steps. You spent ten million of my dollars. What for?" And Viper's like, "I'm going to kill two hundred fifty million idiots. That's what I'm going to do." And we find out that her plan is um, to. Make everybody go blind because of TV.
0: That's kind of all we get. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it, though. I mean, like Matt, that's her entire plan. <laughs> she <laughs> has sh- a she, she's going to broadcast a signal that is a special broadcast. Uh, that that even TVs that aren't tuned to a particular frequency are going to get this signal. And it's gonna make everybody blind. Yeah. And you know what? I like that. That's all the explanation I need. You don't need to tell me how it's gonna do that. You just need to tell me that's what it is. I get it. Don't tell me about <laughs> how these dinosaur men are gonna wreck the the economy of Wakanda. Just tell me there's dinosaur men. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. You know, fair did, enough. Did we talk about how Ironmonger fully like tortures Viper in this? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the behest of Red Skull, uh, he is told to break Viper's one of Viper's legs. And then Red Skull's like, okay, now the other leg. And he's about to do that uh, before Heat Ray, Razor Blade, and Slither show up. Some uh, 90s-ass Marvel's characters.
0: Razor Blade is my favorite character design of all time. <laughs> he's awful. Razorblade is a man who is wearing like a ghillie suit made of razor blades. <laughs> That's it. That's what he's wearing. He's so good. It's it's awful.
1: This is like Viper's new Serpent Society.
0: Yeah, these I are guess. the fangs. The fangs. Oh, there's they Bludgeon, just, too. There's four of yeah, them. Uh, there's yeah. Heat Ray, Razor Blade, <laughs> Slither, who's just a snake man, and then Bludgeon. Yeah. And, like, they have huge guns. They're so
1: toyetic, these guys. They have jetpacks and huge guns. They could not be more 90s. They show up in Save Viper. And they take her to the TV broadcast station, where she's going to broadcast the signal. The first thing she tells them is to smash all the screens, smash all the monitors, and Bludgeon's like, "What?" Cuz he's an idiot.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, our plan is to any TV is going to turn anyone who looks at it blind. So smash those monitors. And he's like, "Well, why should, why would I smash these monitors?"
1: Though. So. You know what this the plot of this reminded me of? Uh Halloween 3. Well, yes, Halloween 3. It is exactly the plot of Halloween 3. Yeah. It is also very similar to that episode of The Simpsons where Sideshow Bob steals the nuclear bomb. Uh-huh. So he can be the only person on TV? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because it involves a like remote TV broadcast station in the desert as well. Anyway, there's a big fight. And uh, Razor Blade attacks Cap. And tells him, you're shredded wheat. And Cap's comeback is, if you think I'm going to let you, mister, you're full of cornflakes. That's great. Cap is back to being a complete fucking square with that one line.
0: That's the old Cap. That's the old Bart Gronwald Cap. I like that shit. I think we need to bring full of cornflakes back.
1: Yeah, yeah. But then... We get the new Mark Grunwald cap, who fires just a huge-ass bazooka (laughs) at the broadcast tower and destroys it. And uh, Viper thinks she's won, but then the power goes out. And she says, the power out? This wasn't supposed to happen. Don't tell me they wrecked my transmitter.
0: A real freeze frame roll credits moment. (laughs) (laughs)
1: and next issue we are promised their skull to pay so we're gonna we're gonna get into the wrap-up of mark grunwald's red skull
0: starting next time yeah a weird bunch of issues i hadn't noticed the the like editorial shift, but I do think yeah. that explains a lot. Like, yeah, you never think of Marvel books at this time as being particularly editor driven, as much as they were creator driven. Just because you know that's kind of how Marvel worked in that era. Like, you don't think of like when you think of the X Men books from the eighties, it's Claremont. It's not you know who was editing them. But yeah, like this, I mean, we're we're I mean, we talked about how it th- th- this run kind of gets its high point at three fifty right, and that was that was seventy issues ago, yeah, that's six years uh and it was four years in then, you know, so this run's been going for a long time, and it's gonna feel weird in spots, I think it's still interesting in a lot of ways. But there's agree. much more in this little post-Cap-Wolf uh, stretch where we're like, oh no.
1: Oh, dear. Yeah, the, the, the clear editorial shift to my eye is less complicated storytelling, bigger action. That's what all these issues are doing. That's why Terminus shows up, right? Yeah. Because it's a big old thing for them to fight. That's why we got a Khazar Black Panther fight. It's why Captain America fires a giant bazooka in this last issue. It's it's like getting rid of the kind of like layered storytelling to do more of the big big widescreen action kind of stuff, for lack of a better way of putting it. Uh, like the 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 D Man brother. Uh, have not issue is a little bit of a outlier in that sense. It's kind of more like the older issues of the series of the run, but that feels like the big editorial edict is go bigger, go bigger and dumber. (laughs) Yeah. So that's it. That's it for this batch of greenies. We're going to get into Red Skull stuff next time. If you would like to get in touch with us about these Mark Grunewald, Captain America comics or within every story ever list, or if you just want to drop us a line about sponsoring the show or something else, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter at warrocketpod, and we have a Discord, which you have to be invited to be a part of, but you can ask for an invitation on any of those places or on Patreon, and uh, we'll send you a Discord invite if you ask nicely. WarRocketAjax.com is our website. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. So go check those out there. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run repository of all kinds of War Rocket Ajax information. You can go check out that for tons of info about the show. If you want to find me and my stuff, I'm at MattDWilson.net. That is where you can find links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts,
0: and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it's got links to everything that uh, I do that you can read and listen to and enjoy. We'll be back next week, folks, with another
1: fresh new episode. We appreciate you listening to us talk about these groonies, and uh, we'll be back with more of those soon, too.
0: Perhaps our next episode will even be so fresh, it's raw. Mm. Mm. but we'll find out until then thank you for listening and remember Black Lives Matter trans rights are human rights abortion rights are also human rights and cops aren't your friends but we love you we love you yeah Stay on.